Hey there, this is Brian Zond, and welcome to my sermon podcast. I'm glad that you're interested in the sermons that I preach here at Word of Life Church in St. Joseph, Missouri. And if you ever feel inclined to help us by supporting us financially, you can do that at our website, wolc.com. Thank you. You know, not all roads lead to God. Most roads lead nowhere. Not all songs lead to God. Most songs really go nowhere. But now and then, I find a song that also connects me to some new and deeper ways of thinking about God. And so we're going to do that today. So, who, who, is, who, is, who is the artist? Uh, I've given you like a, like a pretty strong hint already if you know that sort of stuff it's the artist is probably the most surprising artist i've used at least this this year uh you wouldn't necessarily think that i would work with this art well we're talking about zz top are there are there any zz top fans zz top zz top billy gibbons guitar and vocals Dusty Hill, bass and vocals. Frank Beard, he's the one without a beard. Frank Beard, no beard. Drums. I love this band. Uh, I've loved them for a long time. This, that little old band from Texas. ZZ Top. Um, they, they're in their 50th year. They're all either 69 or 70. They started in 1969 in Houston, Texas. Um, they are, of any major rock act, they've been together without a lineup change longer than any other band. I mean, the Stones have been together longer, but they've had lineup changes. It's been those three guys, Billy Gibbons, Dusty Hill, Frank Beard, for now 50 years. Um, I don't know, they have a very unique sound, kind of, you know, I mean, they're rock, but they're blues-based, it's Texas boogie, it's, it's that sort of stuff. And uh, I, I like it a lot. They've put out 15 studio albums over the past 50 years. They've sold 50 million albums. I, I think their first three are their best, just to be honest. Their first three, 1971, ZZ Top's first album. Uh, that was the name of it, ZZ Top's first album. Uh, 1972, Rio Grande Mud. And 1973, Trace Ombres. What a great album. Uh, they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2004. Uh, Keith Richards gave their induction speech. Um, both Eric Clapton and Jeff Beck are unashamed fans of Billy Gibbons' guitar work. He's, he's a very interesting, unique guitar player. Are they playing at Starlight Theater tonight? Why, yes, yes, they are. <laughs> will Pastor Brian be there? Why, yes, yes, he will. Is Cheap Trick opening up for them? Yes! Perry said, you're pretty pumped up today, is what she said. You're pretty hyper today. So, well, maybe. <laughs> so, so what song? Let's, let's be honest. Let's, my, you know, what you can use for a sermon from ZZ Top is limited. Let's, let's just be honest about that. I mean, they're, they're a great rock band. Uh, let's just say they're not exactly Dylan-esque in their lyric content. Um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the Trace Ombres album. Let me tell you, this. I, I, I got this album when I was 14. I was a member of the Columbia Record Club. Anybody remember the Columbia Record Club? Mm-hmm. 
Because somewhere, sometime, I saw an ad, I don't know, I can't remember how, and it was like 10 albums for a penny. I said, what? What? You know how many yards I'd have to mow to get 10 albums? 10 up for a penny? Sign me up. And I did. And, but then, but then, you, then you had to buy an album every month, which was okay with me. And, but the thing is, they'd send you this catalog, and you'd have to pick. And, you know, it's kind of hard to pick albums out of a catalog if you don't even know who they are. You know, you just, I mean, I'm just learning. I'm 14 years old. I'm just kind of, and, uh, and so I got the catalog one day, and I've got to pick an album, you know, for that month. And I'm going, and I see, I see ZZ Top. I'd never heard of ZZ Top. I'd never heard of ZZ Top song. I just saw the Z's and thought, that's cool. I like Z's. And uh, <laughs> so s- simply based on their name, I got the 1970 Trace Ombres album. With that, with that Mexican feast on the inside of it. And I wore this thing out. I played it over and over and over. So what, what are we going to work with on here? Um, beer drinkers and hellraisers? No, we're not, no, that's not the one. Uh, uh, hot, blue, and righteous? Uh, LaGrange, not, not even going there. Um, oh, how about Jesus just left Chicago? Second track. Jesus just left Chicago. Now, the thing is, those of you that know, know that you never hear, you hear it on the radio, you never hear Jesus left Chicago by itself. It's two songs that just right back to back. It's waiting for the bus, which is what you just heard. Was, was Josh and the band doing the riff of been waiting for the bus. Have mercy, been waiting for the bus all day. Have mercy. Been waiting for the bus all day. Got my brown paper bag and my take-home pay. Perry's heard me say that a million times. Every time we're waiting on something somewhere, I just go, have mercy. Been waiting on the bus. It just drives her crazy. <laughs> and then it goes, it, goes, it goes from waiting on the bus, just without any break, right into uh, Jesus just left Chicago. So I'm not going to play, uh, but I'm not going to play... Uh, Waiting for the bus, you've already heard a little bit of that. We're going to go right into Jesus Just Left Chicago and see if I can't find something to do with that that would be something like a sermon. So ZZ Top, Jesus Just Left Chicago.
Yeah, I will be with uh, 8,000 other people tonight. They will do that song, but I will have the smug satisfaction of knowing I'm the only one there that preached a sermon on it this morning. <laughs> Matthew 9:35. Then Jesus traveled to all the cities and towns teaching in the synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. Jesus just left Chicago. He's bound for New Orleans, working from one end to the other and all points in between. Took a junk, you know what a junk is, a flat-bottom boat, took a junk through Mississippi Muddy water turned to wine. Then out to California through the forest and the pines. I love how, how, well, you know, he he goes by the Reverend Billy F. Gibbons. (laughs) I love how he recast Jesus in an American context. So instead of Jesus just left Nazareth and he's bound for Capernaum, Or instead of Jesus just left Jericho and he's bound for Jerusalem as Jesus just left Chicago. He's bound for New Orleans and he goes down through Mississippi and then he's out to California. Uh, But the best part of this song is uh, you may not see him in person, but he'll see you just the same. You may not see him in person, but he'll see you just the same. You don't have to worry because taking care of business is his name. I have no idea how many times I have dropped that line in a sermon over the past 40 years. I do it uh, fairly often. Sometimes I have the whole thing with the rhyme. You, don't have, you may not see him in person, but he'll see you just the same. You don't have to worry because taking care of business is his name. I usually just use the last part. I'll just say, you don't have to worry because taking care of business is his name. I never attribute it. <laughs> There's just no point, you know, saying ZZ Top said. Uh, but today I get to own up to it and say, well, that's where that comes from. And every time I've said it, I've never planned it. It's just, you know, it's, it's part of what's in me. Out of the abundance of the rock and roll heart, the mouth speaks. So that's my sermon right there. You, you don't have to worry because taking care of business is his name. We know that Jesus was itinerant. We know that Jesus was a traveling man. We know that Jesus was a man on the move. We know that Jesus did go. I mean, he, you could say Jesus just left Nazareth and he's bound for Capernaum. Preaching the good news. The good news of the kingdom, it says. Preaching the good news of the kingdom. What does that mean? Jesus is preaching the good news that the way the world is is not the way you have to live. That in a world gone wrong, there's a better way to live. You can opt out of the kingdom of the world with its dog-eat-dog competition and every man for himself and all of that. You can opt out of that. And through faith and baptism, this is the good news, you can come into a new way of living, a new way of society being arranged, a new way of being human. That's the good news of the kingdom, that there is something better than this broken world. 
And that's what Jesus is preaching, and he's inviting people into that. And so Jesus can say things like, you, you don't have to worry. Don't worry. What, what do people worry about most? What do they worry about most? You know what? Money. I thought about that song for this series too, but, you know, probably didn't make it. Uh, money. That's what we worry about the most. We worry about, what does Jesus say? He says, don't worry about it. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his justice and all of these things, all of these things that you need, that your heavenly father knows that you need, all these things that you need will be provided for you. You can, this is good news. You can belong to a kingdom Where when you prioritize that kingdom, Jesus says, my Father will take care of you and provide what you need. Somebody say amen. Amen. We know that Jesus did leave Jericho and go to Jerusalem, healing everybody of every kind of affliction. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. That's not the point. That's not the point. We we didn't need someone to come down to heaven and tell us how bad we are. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. God sent his son into the world to save the world. And so Jesus comes to sinners and he doesn't condemn them. Where are your accusers, woman? Did no one condemn you? No one, sir. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. So Jesus, when he encounters sinners, he forgives them. When he encounters the outcasts, he brings them to his table. When he encounters the sick, he heals them. When he encounters the bound, he sets them free. The only people that Jesus was hard toward were the self-righteous who wouldn't identify as sinners and tried to use their supposed spirituality as a weapon. They wanted to weaponize their religion and use it as a way to make themselves feel superior to others. Jesus was hard on those cats. All right, that's, that's the Pharisees, that's the Sadducees. Those are the ones that got Jesus' ire. But everyone else, if you, if you want Jesus to come to you with kindness and grace and mercy and healing, just say, I own up to it, Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need some help. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, be merciful unto me, a sinner, and have mercy on me. And Jesus says, yeah. Amen. Well, so I can, I can preach about that. I mean, that's all, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John stuff. I can talk about Jesus healing blind Bartimaeus and saving the woman at the well, forgiving the woman caught in adultery, setting that man that was bound by a legion of demons free. I could preach all of that. Um, but somebody might say, well, you know, that's just 2,000 years ago. That's just two, that's. That's old history. That's 2,000 years ago. Well, uh, the Reverend Billy F. Gibbons is right. Jesus just left Chicago. And he's bound for New Orleans, working from one end to the other and all points in between. Jesus is not stuck in history. This is the point of the ascension, that Jesus, upon his resurrection... 40 days later, ascends to the right hand of God in the heavens. But this is not about absence. This is about eternal presence. This is not about Jesus leaving. This is about Jesus coming to everyone everywhere. This is about Jesus. He's up in Chicago, but that doesn't mean, that, doesn't mean that if you're in New Orleans, he can't come to you. Or if you're out in California through the forest and the fire, Jesus come out there to you too. So, 
It's not about absence, the ascension of Christ. It's about universal presence. And I, I don't mean that Jesus is locked in history past, present, only in memory. So we can think about him. Like, like that's how we have access to Abraham Lincoln. We can keep him, his memory alive. That's not what I'm talking about. Um, and I don't mean some vague Christ principle, whatever that is. I don't even know what that is. I mean Jesus just left Chicago and he's bound for St. Joseph. That Jesus, Jesus is personally present to you. Je- Jesus is personally present to all of you. He's personally present. He's coming to you. He's present to you. Just left Chicago and he's bound for St. Joe. So think about, uh, think about the greatest of the Christian apostles, the Apostle Paul. He never met Jesus. He wasn't one of the twelve. When Jesus was in Galilee, Jesus wasn't, Paul wasn't in Galilee. When, when Jesus was, you know, doing all those, that stuff, Jesus, Paul wasn't one of the ones following him. He never met Jesus, except he did. After his resurrection, after his ascension, ten years later, Saul of Tarsus is on the Damascus road, breathing out threats and murder, going up to Damascus to arrest Christians and throw them in jail. And Jesus comes to him and says, Saul, Saul, come on, Saul, why? Why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Jesus, whoa! And he's converted. And he begins not preaching against Jesus, he's preaching for Jesus because he met Jesus on the Damascus road. And then there was that time when Jesus was in, when Paul, when Paul was in Corinth. And it's a big city and it's pagan and it's decadent and and Paul's nervous about preaching there. And Jesus comes to him in a vision at night and he says, Paul, don't be afraid. I've got many people in this city. No one's going to hurt you. You're going to be all right. Just stay right here and preach for a while. Jesus came to him and did that. And then when Paul got arrested in Jerusalem and he's in jail, Jesus came to him in jail and said, Paul, be encouraged. I mean, he's in jail, charged with a capital crime. But Jesus comes and says, be encouraged. You have testified for me in Jerusalem. Now you're going to have to testify for me in Rome. And I've arranged an all-expense trip to take you there. You're going to go in chains, but you're going to get there. Jesus came to him. Now, these three accounts of Jesus appearing to Paul, Damascus Road, Corinth, Jerusalem, to convert him and to encourage him are not just telling us history. They're for you. They're for you. You might not see him in person, but he'll see you just the same. Jesus says, behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. You may not see him in person, but he'll see you just the same. Behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, when I talk about my life, I talk about following Jesus since I was 15. When I was 15, you know, I was really intentional following Jesus. 
And that's true. That's true. I can tell my story that way, that from the age of 15, I've been following Jesus. But the deeper truth is that Jesus has been following me all of my life. He's just always there. Always. Jesus has never left me alone. I may not see him in person, but he'll be there just the same. But there are times when he's a bit conspicuous. I mean, I'll tell you some times when Jesus was more than conspicuous in my life. When I was 15, it was Jesus who came into my bedroom in the form of pure light. So I was 15, and I was just, I was, I was everything a 15-year-old boy is. I was long hair, rock and roll, basketball, that was, that's what I liked, girls a little bit, and uh, that sort of stuff. I, I grew up in church, was in church every Sunday, every, every Sunday, it was just what we did. I wasn't, I would, if you asked me as a Christian, I'd say, yeah, I'm a Christian. But it was, it was on the periphery of my life. It was just an assumed thing. I didn't think about it. It was just there, it was, you know, that sort of thing. But then on November 9th, 1974, at the age of 15 and a half, I had an encounter with Jesus at a youth rally where David Wilkerson was preaching. And then, and then... I got home a few hours later, it was about midnight, and I walked into my bedroom. I had a bedroom in the basement, and it was, it was the best. And I had, I, had, I had posters, rock and roll. I had Zeppelin on the wall, you know, and probably had this sitting on the turntable. And uh, so that's my lair, 15 years old where I could turn it up pretty loud. I mean, there were, there were contentious moments, but uh, <laughs> since I was in the basement, I'd get away with it being a little louder. And uh, I can remember my mom coming to tell me, and I'm sure some of the records that said, this record should be played loud. It says right here, Mom, we've got to follow the rules. It should be played loud. <laughs> so I walked in that bedroom. It was midnight, November 9, 1974. I just walked into the bedroom, and suddenly the room was filled with pure light. Pure light. It's hard to describe it. It was unearthly. Pure light. And I knew it was Jesus. And I fell to my knees and I lifted my hands and I worshipped Jesus. I'd never done anything like that in my life before. That was Jesus coming to me. He was not offended by my Led Zeppelin posters on the wall. My uh, Trace Hombres record on the turntable. He came to me when I was 15, and I changed like that. When I was 18, it was Jesus who told me I would not die but live when I was told I had six weeks to live. You ever heard that story? I was 18 years old, just graduated from high school. People ask you what you're going to do, you know. You had to go see the guidance counselor. So, Brian, Fry as they called me, Fry. What are you going to do? And I'm just going to mess with myself. I'm going to be a shepherd. A shepherd? Yeah, a shepherd. Do you know anything about shepherding? Not much. I figure I can learn. I'm going to be a shepherd. I never did tell him that. Yeah, I mean pastor. I just, just okay, go on. They have schools for shepherds. I said, well, yeah, they kind of do, but I don't know if I'll go to one. People would ask me, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to, I'm going to build a church and travel the world and preach Jesus. That's what I said when I was 18. Got sick that summer. A lot of tests, a lot of tests, a lot of tests. And then I had the experience of being told, you have acute leukemia with six weeks to live. Whoa. 
That'll knock you sideways. And I thought, well, I thought I'm supposed to build a church and travel the world, preach the gospel. I don't think I can do that in six weeks. And so I was, I was laying in bed and sick. And I thought, well, I need some encouragement. I need some comfort. And I went to the Psalms and I at random chose Psalm 118. And I'm just cruising along with just one of those Psalms, you know, until I got to verse 17 and it said, I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. Now, you could just go over that verse and never think a thing about it until the day when you're told you got six weeks to live. And I, whoa, I just stopped right there. And I, and I took my finger and I, I, I just tapped on that verse. I said, that's me. I shall not die, but Jesus is the word of God. And the word of God came to me in that moment. And here's my word. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. Next day, Perry came to see me. She was my girlfriend then. We'd been going together for the longest time. She came, and they told her in the news, she came in the room and she was crying. You can ask her about this. And I laughed. I said, Perry, why are you crying? I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. And I just got better. Been stretching that six weeks out for a long time. <laughs> Hallelujah. When I was 22, it was Jesus who called me to be a preacher and a pastor. Well, not really. I mean, really, I was called. I, I, I knew that night when I was 15 I was going to be a preacher. It just it all came at once. But at 22, I got the green light. By faith, I quit my job. You've heard that story, too. I won't tell that again. Came home and said, Perry, guess what? We're in full-time ministry. And she cried. <laughs> but it was Jesus that told me to do that. I mean, I would never tell anybody, I would never tell a young man to do what I did. Never, never, never. Don't do that. Did I have any training? No. Had I been to two minutes of Bible college? No. Had I, you know, served on a staff in another church and got learned? No. What did I have? I had an idea that maybe I could start a church at 22 with no experience, no training, no backing, no background, no money, no anything. I would never tell. I'm telling you, don't do that. But Jesus gave me a green light. So I did. It was Jesus. When I was 24 and so poor, it was Jesus who provided for us. Because it was not easy. We were always poor. I was making $90 a week in the 80s. Perry's in nursing school. Making $90 a week. You try to live on that. 1980s, $90 a week. There was never enough, you know. And, but things would happen. We'd be down to nothing, zero, nothing. And maybe two $20 bills would float up in the dishwater. That happened. We had no money. We're completely broke. Out of groceries. Eating pancakes. Because that's cheap. And two pairs doing the dishes and two $20 bills floated up out of the water. I have no idea how those $20 bills got in the sink. Maybe somebody put them there. Maybe. But Jesus was behind it all, no doubt about that, for sure. When I was 27 and so discouraged, it was Jesus who told me to preach faith. I was 20, it, was, it was April 1st, 1986. I was 27 years old, so discouraged. 20s were hard. My 20s were hard for me. They were no fun. Zero fun. And, but I'm trying, you know. And, and the only reason I keep trying is because I know that Jesus has called me. I believe that. I believe that Jesus has called me. 
There, there's no external sign that I know what I'm doing or that this is going to work. But it's Jesus. And so it was a Tuesday. It was April 1st, 1986, I was 27 years old. I was down there at 11th Street in that little old church in that little old office with that little old homemade desk that we bought at an auction. And uh, I was reading my Bible, had a cup of coffee, and I was reading Acts 16, got to verse 5, and it says, And the churches were strengthened in faith and increased in number daily. And I thought, oh, great. Their churches grow every day. Mine doesn't grow at all. That's exactly what I thought. I was despondent. I said it out loud, in fact. I think. You know, it's hard to tell. I talk to myself more than <laughs> out loud than you might think. Perry catches me. What? I, said, I was just talking to myself. And I, I, you know, was I talking to myself? Was I talking to Jesus? I don't know. It was all the same. I just said, I, wouldn't that be great? And Jesus spoke to me like thunder in my soul. said, preach faith and your church will grow. I mean, it was Jesus spoke that to me. And I kind of changed my trajectory and things turned around. Church began to grow. It was Jesus who, when I was 37 years old, and it was impossible to get into this place, that made it possible. We were trying to build a $2 million building that turned out to be a $4 million building. Yikes. You know, things go over, but come on. And there was no way. Perry, was there any way? There was no way. We couldn't. It was, it was, it was terrible. It was horrible. I mean, we're $2 million over budget in this place. And how are we going to get in? And Jesus goes to a banker named Ed Schober in Kansas City and won't let him sleep and says, you have to help those people. He said he had a dream that Jesus spoke to him and said, you have to help those people. Yeah, praise God. That's how we got in here. When I was 45, it was Jesus who took a junk through the Missouri and turned the water into wine. Yeah, at 45, you know, I'm, I'm still passionate about Jesus, but the Christianity I see seems weak and thin, nothing but muddy water. And Jesus comes and he turns the water to wine. He says, Brian, the party is not over. You, in fact, Brian, you don't even know this, but at this point, you're just getting started. The best is yet to come. I got to, I've, you haven't even had the wine yet. I got to, I got to, I'm going to turn the muddy water into wine. It's going to be the best thing you've ever had. He did that. It's not a Christ principle. It's not Jesus in memory. It's Jesus. <laughs> He's raised from the dead. He's present to us. He came to me. When I was 50 and so wounded because, you know, we did change and not everybody liked it and friends called me names and left. And that hurt. And I didn't let on as much as it hurt. I, you know, put on a brave face. That was probably the best thing to do. But it hurt. I hurt easy. I just don't show it. You can hurt somebody and not even know it. And that's what happened. But when I was 50 and so wounded, Jesus came and said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And he walked with me all the way through. You know, you can go through about anything if Jesus goes with you. You can go through anything if Jesus goes with you. Yay, you can go through the valley of the shadow of death if Jesus goes with you. If, if, the, if, if Jesus is your shepherd, he says, all right, we've got to go through something, but you're not going to go it alone. It's a valley of shadow death. Probably won't be very fun, but I'm with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. 
I'll go with you all the way through the valley of the shadow of death. Amen. And at age 60, when I sit with Jesus every day, he's there. He's there. I may not see him in person, but he'll see me just the same. And Jesus is with you too. You may not see him in person, but he'll see you just the same. Come on, I'm preaching a sermon. You may not see him in person, but he'll see you just the same. You don't have to worry. Because taking care of business is his name. It's a good sermon. I stole it from Reverend Billy F. Gibbons, but it's a good sermon. Well, Peter preached something like that. Peter, the apostle, he said, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. Jesus is not ambivalent. Jesus is not distant. Jesus is not uncaring. He cares for you. So when you have anxieties, when you have troubles, when you have problems, when you have worries, come to Jesus. There's an old hymn like that. I know my ZZ Top better than I know my old Baptist hymns. Uh, how's that hymn go about uh, sweet hour prayer? And somebody, come on, some Baptist, help me out here. Don't leave me hanging. Uh, yeah, it's not amazing grace. Um, you don't have to worry because taking care of business is his name. That's what Jesus just left Chicago. I'll stick with that hymn. Okay, so, but, but seriously, you don't have to worry. You don't have to worry because taking care of business is his name. His name is Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Isaiah said that seven and a half centuries before Jesus was born. He was just setting the table. There's going to be someone. Unto us a child will be born. We don't know exactly who or when, but someday a child shall be born... And his name will be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The government will be on his shoulders. The increase of government, the increase of his government and peace, there'll be no wind. And so, taking care of business is his name. He, he's called Faithful and True in the book of Revelation. His name is Faithful. He's Faithful and True. He, he, he's Wonderful Counselor. I believe in counseling. You get all the counseling you can get. But also sit with Jesus because he's a Wonderful Counselor. He's Mighty God. Jesus is the revelation of who God is. He's God in person. He's God among us. He's God with us. He's God for us. He's everlasting Father. He's the progenitor of a new race of beings. He is the vine and we are the branches. And we learn a new way of being human by being in Christ. He's the Prince of Peace. Jesus says at the end of his upper room discourse, he says... He says um, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. You'll have hard times. You'll have difficulties. You'll have challenges. You'll have bad days. In the world you will have tribulation. But don't be afraid. Don't be troubled. I've overcome the world. And Jesus gives us his peace. So when he goes down into death, to destroy death from the inside out, and then is raised on the third day, he comes back, and what's the first thing he say? Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He's faithful and true. And I've seen Jesus save people from everything you can imagine. 
Jesus saves. It's what he does best. Sometimes it's addiction. Sometimes it's depression. Sometimes it's just a point in this meaningless life. I don't know. I mean, just all the maladies that human beings can have, Jesus is experienced, well experienced with bringing people out of that, salvaging them, rescuing them. They're not going to be lost to that. That doesn't have to be their definition. That doesn't have to be the end of their story. Jesus comes to them. So call on Jesus. He's there. You may not see him in person, but he'll see you just the same. And, and so maybe we just pray a little bit right now. And we say, Jesus, we believe you're here among us. You see us. You hear us. You care for us. Jesus, I've told some stories from the life of the Apostle Paul and told some stories from my own life, but that's only just to encourage these people that they'll have their own stories too. That Jesus, you see them too, you come to them too, you care for them too. Jesus, I pray that you would save people from that which binds them. Save people here today from that which pushes them down. Save people here today from that which it makes them feel like an outsider and alienated. Save people from emptiness. Save people from a pointless and purposeless life. Lord Jesus, say we call upon you. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God. Have mercy on me. Pray that prayer with me. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me. And I believe Jesus says, of course, yes. And if you have the mercy of Jesus, you're going to be all right. Amen? Stand up with me. Let's confess our Christian faith, and then let's come to the table of the Lord. Amen. Join with me. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And this is the table, not of the church, but of the Lord. It is made ready for those who love Him and for those who want to love Him more. So come, you who have much faith, and you who have little. You who have been here often, and you who have not been here long. You who have tried to follow, and you who have failed, come. Because it is the Lord Jesus Himself who invites you. It's His will that those who want Him should meet Him here. Amen.